The following program is a paid presentation. The views and or opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of Starnes Media Group or KWAM. Jim Shoemaker and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Rob Clement is a registered representative of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Whether you're a baby boomer or a millennial, it doesn't seem to matter. A common concern is always money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Welcome to Talk Money. Well, today we've got a lineup that is really directed to those of us that might be vulnerable to something called ID theft, your identity theft, maybe it's tax ID, or maybe it's somebody that you might know that's that ha- suffering from elder financial abuse. Well, those are topics that we see a lot in our hometown, and that's what we want to talk about today. The reality is it happens to the neighbor across the street, to the neighbor down the street, to the person you're going to church with, that you play golf with. And the reality is sometimes they never tell anybody about it because it's like, I can't believe I did that. And so we want to kind of bring you some, I think, some tips. We've got some experts in the studio with us today that's going to guide us through some things we should be looking for and looking at, you might say, of uh, to avoid this problem. And so first and foremost, from the Better Business Bureau, the Director of Public Relations, a dear friend, a guy who's always with us once a month, Dale Irwin, sir. Daniel Irwin, Sir Dale Irwin. Who's Dale Irwin? Did he play golf Dale or something? Irwin. You know, I can't help that. You know, it's just early in the morning for me. Daniel Irwin. Daniel, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Did you play golf by chance? I, I didn't, and I'm not related to Hale Irwin. <laughs> Hale Irwin, Dale I wish Irwin. I was, but I'm not. I hear you. I got you. All right, sir, let's talk about this, because you're going to help us understand some of this problem that's facing us right now, because, you know, we're talking about it's February. It's We're headed. We're getting some of these tax, gathering our tax ID. Right. Now, tax season has started. Yeah, and it's uh, tax ID theft has started. Right. So it, it's important to know, you know, there's several several different types of identity theft, but the one we're going to talk about today is is tax identity theft. And this is the time of year where people start to realize that they may have been a victim of identity theft. And one of the ways that they find that out is when they get a letter from the IRS saying that, you know, they've already filed their taxes, you know? So basically tax identity theft is when someone uses your social security number to steal your tax refund or for a job. Uh, someone might use your social security number uh, to, to, to get employment and then, um, you know, uh, you'll get a letter saying that uh, you know you you didn't you you didn't file all the wages correctly. Yeah, you didn't do what um, you were supposed to. But a lot of people don't find out that they've been a victim of identity theft until tax season, when they you know try to file their taxes and and find out that someone's already filed a tax return in their name. Um, so you know uh, this this is the time of year where people start to realize that they've been victims. All right now. I think, Daniel, one of the biggest issues that we all hear that story, somebody happens this way or something happens this way, all those things going on, but how do you protect yourself? 
Because I think that's critical for people to hear. Right. So make sure when you're filing your taxes, if you can, file early, right? Because the scam involves people filing taxes before you filed yours so they mm. can get that refund first. So file early. And watch out for some of the red flags. If you get a written notice from the IRS that you know someone's filed a duplicate return or something like that, that's something you need to take seriously. Uh, but it's, it's important to note, remember, the IRS usually isn't going to call you. It's always going to be written notice first. Mm. So, you know, pay attention to any written notices you get from the uh, Internal Revenue Service. And you should be protecting your Social Security number all year round, right? Always protect your Social Security number. That's how they are able to file those false returns. Um, and, you know, this is the time of year we're always telling people to research your tax preparer. You know, if you're not going to do your taxes on your own, make sure that you're researching who is doing your taxes. Um, you can always give our office a call if you've got any questions or want recommendations on on who might be best to do your taxes, but make sure you're researching your tax pre- um, tax preparer. You know, when you talk about that, I mean, it's, it, you think, well, this guy, you know, I know he's doing it for Mary and Bob and right. Sue and all those people. I guess he'll be okay, but you're saying even even though there may be a referral, spend the time and the energy, call the Better Business Bureau. Right. Do you know John Smith? And is John Smith a, a good, just spend the time, a little extra time if it's not the person that's been doing it for right. you in the past. Read the reviews, read the complaints, see how they've responded to their reviews and complaints. You can tell a lot about a business on how they respond to negative, right? So that's one of the things we would encourage people to do is, is check with your tax preparer. Um, and if you find out that you've been a victim of tax ID fraud, uh, there are several places that you can report it. The easiest being identitytheft.gov. And you also can report it to irs.gov. But it's important that if you find out that you're a victim of any type of identity theft around tax time, that you you report it to those two places. And again, that's identitytheft.gov and irs.gov. Those are the two places that you should report tax ID theft. Now, let's talk about that for a second. Someone told me, it might have been you, and uh, I think, Daniel, you, it probably was, the reality of a an identity-protecting pin. Right. Tell so me what that is. If you're a victim of ID theft, consider getting an identity protection PIN number. This is a six-digit number, which, in addition to your Social Security number, confirms your identity. And once you apply, you must provide that IP PIN each year when you file your federal tax return. So it goes on the tax return. It goes on your tax return, and, and I have one on mine. Uh, we, we have to use it every year. Okay. Um, you know, So it's an it's, it's extra level of protection out there if that, that's available to you from the IRS. Well, joining us also in the studio today, we've got Rob Clement and Scott Jordan. And I want to kind of lean in with Scott because, Scott, you're going to talk about identity theft. And now, now right. literally, we're talking about somebody who stole a Social Security number. I know you know of people that have experienced that problem. So tell me, literally, what would you talk to someone about? I mean, those people that have really lost their identity or, you know, from that standpoint, somebody's stolen it. What would you say? Well, you know, there's, um, like Daniel was talking about, one, one thing that a, uh, t- a person who has stolen identity would try to do is file a tax return, but also there's, you know, going to apply for credit, uh, whether it's credit cards, buying a car, things like that in your name. So, you know, that is another way in which people are victimized by these identity theft uh, individuals, and, and really just monitoring that and keeping an eye on that is crucial. All right. A PIN number, obviously, is what you're talking about. And I think, Daniel, that's that's critical for us to understand that. But what do you do if someone steals your tax refund? I mean, 
some people, most people are having their tax returns, you know, do it, and then the tax refunds automatically put into their bank account. But some people still get the check. Right. What happens? What do they do if that happens? Well, you need to report it to the IRS immediately, right? So you would need to go to irs.gov or go to your local uh, IRS office, uh, you know, or, or give them a call, but work through it with them. But but the sooner they know about it, the sooner they can, they can investigate and rectify the situation. You know, my concern is so many times when that happens, it's that vulnerable person that Rob's going to talk about when we get yeah. to that second part of the program, the elder people, the ones that are thinking, well, I, I may have lost it or something. Right. Well, to, to add to that, you know, this is also the time of year we start to see all those pesky IRS phone calls, right? Mm-hmm. So it just adds another level of it. And a lot of those phone calls target the elderly. Um, you know, uh, we get reports all the time of this IRS phone call scam. Some of them are messages. Some of them are live calls. Uh, but the, the caller and the message will always say there's some kind of problem. And, you know, you have to give the IRS a call and they'll give you a number. And when you call that number, they'll answer the phone and say IRS agent number and they'll give you a fake badge number. And they'll do everything under the sun to make you think it's real. Um, and, you know, victims who uh, refuse to cooperate are threatened with arrest, deportation, suspension of a business or driver's license, seizure of a home. I mean, it goes on and on. And these are all things that the IRS can't necessarily do. I mean, that's a big, I mean, they can't do it. But man, if I've got a phone call and I call a number and they answer IRS badge yeah. number so-and-so, agent number yeah. so-and-so. I, you know, that's a big deal. It, it is. And, you know, unfortunately, people fall for it. Um, you know, we, I recently spoke with an elderly woman who was a victim of this scam, and she sent $9,000 to the scammers. And it was, a, it was really, it was, it was a big deal. Um, elaborate. She was, yeah, elaborate. yeah. It was very elaborate. She was, uh, she, she got a phone call in October. She was recently widowed. She didn't really know a lot about taxes. She's elderly. They basically scared her into to, to, to coming up with a, famous, uh, a fake payment plan. So yeah. she was sending $3,000 a month oh my for goodness. three months. And the only way that she caught it was uh, she, she was um, just distraught. She was just not being herself. And her pastor asked her if something was going on. And her pastor was able to find out that she had actually been sending $3,000 a month uh, to these scammers and was able to, you know, tell her that it was a scam and, and kind of help her out. So, wow. you know. We're going to talk some more with Daniel in a few minutes. Rob Clement's going to come in and talk about elder financial abuse. Scott Jordan's going to talk about identity theft. This is kind of one of those blinking lights when we're going to turn the heat up on it and we're going to focus in on things you need to be sensitive about, whether it's your home or your next door neighbor, a family member, your mom, your dad. What It doesn't make any difference, folks. This is stuff that's real. These are professional thieves, and we need to pay attention. Stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Neither Shoemaker Financial nor Securian Financial Services are affiliated with Daniel Irwin or the Better Business Bureau. The views and opinions expressed are those of Daniel Irwin only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Securian Financial Services, Inc. or Shoemaker Financial. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money on KWAM, the mighty 990, FM 107.9, AM 990. 
a program we hope that's always beneficial, entertaining, and educational to our listening audience here in our hometown, Memphis and Shelby County. Thank you so much for being with us today. We're talking about the scams, about identity theft, or, you know, those things that just happen to your next-door neighbor, to you, and you just don't think it's going to happen. It just, uh, I, I don't think, I, I can handle this. I know how to avoid it. Problem is, you're working with a professional that exact, knows exactly what they want to do. They're they're very, very dedicated to um, diving into your finances. And so mm-hmm. Daniel Irwin, with the, he's the director of the public relations at the Better Business Bureau of the Mid-South. Daniel, you always bring us information, but and it's great information. And, and, you know, it makes me a little nervous to think that somebody can actually say to me, look, call this number. And I know how this works. I mean, call this number. And if I'm not paying attention, I'd call the number. They'd answer the phone, Social Security Administrative Office, our agent, such a... And I mean that just kind of makes you comfortable, and they sound so professional. They are, and then they start that little twist of, you know, you know, you you better do this. If you don't, we're going to shut your water off. We talked about that a couple right. of weeks ago. MLGMW and MLGMW is now sending out a flyer that says, "No way would we do that." And right. Everybody thinks about that, but if you're being threatened right. over the phone. It's easy to succumb to that. It's emotional. It is. And some of the uh, some of the red flags you should look out for and some of the common tactics that scammers use, uh, especially when they get you on the phone, are rushing you, forcing you to make an, a quick decision, immediate action. Uh, and they use your emotions, making you afraid or making you feel bad for them, right? Like there's some kind of like, you know, you should feel bad for the scammer. That's something that they do. They might threaten you. Uh, they'll tell you that it's a secret. They'll, they'll try to isolate you and, and, and ask that you not tell anyone what's going on um, a lot of times what they're saying sounds too good to be true right um, and they also uh, another big red flag would be if they if anybody ever asks you to pay with gift cards that's going to be a scam gift cards are for gifts not payments so any government agency or <laughs> well, business you know, wait a minute you say that is if you know everybody knows that but they don't victim after victim after victim it happens right uh, our scam tracker which uh, you know we, we that's how we track scams people can report scams to our scam tracker and one of the questions it asks when someone loses money is how did you lose this money and the number one answer nationwide not just in the in, in Memphis area but nationwide to scam tracker is gift card that is the number one preferred method of scammers so if anybody who claims to be with the government or a, a reputable business ever asks you to pay a bill in gift cards specifically that is a scam run quickly yes that's the biggest red flag i can give you uh, some other things to look out for when you get those pesky emails is bad grammar or spelling mistakes right that's a telltale sign that something may not be on the up and up uh the logo doesn't look quite right it may look like it's it's the shade of the of the logo may be different or something like that so when a logo doesn't look quite right that might be a red flag um a link that leads to somewhere strange uh, that's that's a big red flag. You never know where where links are going to lead you, so you have to be really careful when you open up emails, um, especially when you're on your phone, right? Um, and then uh, a strange from address. 
Uh, so, so for instance, if you, you get an email that claims to be from the government, but it's not from a .gov address, it's from a Gmail account, that would be <laughs> I a big red one. flag. <laughs> yeah, but it's also hard to check because you have so many people that are checking their email on their phone, and so they don't know how to hover over the email address. To see what it is. Right, yeah. to see the actual email address. All right, make sure everybody, you tell that, say that again, because I think so many people don't know to do that, or they're not just not thinking right. about it. So hover over the email address with your finger or your mouse. Mm-hmm. Right, and it'll tell you what the email address is. And if it says Gmail, if it says Gmail, it's not from a business, and it's not from from the government. Right, the government's only going to have a .gov address, and a business that has the wherewithal to email you is going to have a corporate address, yeah. and not a Gmail account or an Outlook account or you know a Yahoo account. I think you know. I would think everybody around the table today, we would not be susceptible to that. But but. I also know that you can get busy, you can get involved, right. you can you know you maybe you're having a bad day, right? And all of a sudden they just catch you at that vulnerable moment, right? And it's important to know you can do everything right and still be a victim, right? These are professional thieves. It's it's I mean it, it's a crime, and it's it's almost like I, I equate it to getting your car broken into, right? You know you can do everything right, you can have an alarm on your car, but just one time you park in one spot and it, you just happen to be a victim of circumstance, right? right? Exactly. And it can be the same with 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 scams. You know, you can do everything right and 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 follow all the rules that we're giving and still become a victim. And a victim, that's what we wanted everybody to be aware of today. Daniel Irwin, Director of Public Relations from the Better Business Bureau of the Mid-South. He if you'd like to talk to Daniel, 759-1300. If you want to give him a call. Daniel, you always give us information that is so valuable and so I mean and I just feel like that you know you've got more. I mean, I would, you know, <laughs> it's always more and more. So give him a call if you just got a question. You just feel that something's happening. Last question though, and I want to cover this just before we get off and go go to the next. We'll be talking with Scott in a second. You said this to me, and it's about literally different passwords. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a critical problem. Right. So, uh, you know, I really want to tell you more about data breaches. Everybody knows and hears, it's it's a kind of a buzzword, data breaches happen, right? Well, you know, the Identity Theft Resource Center has tracked data breaches for 15 years, and data breaches in 2021 surpassed the previous annual record. There were 1,580 major data breaches in America in 2021, and that beat the previous record that was set in 2017. And some notable breaches included Costco, Facebook, Instagram, T-Mobile, the list goes on and on and on. And the compromised information included birth dates, passwords, and credit card numbers. Um, There was a recent survey done that found that um, 16% of people who got a notice of a data breach took no action, right? And only 11% took advantage of the free credit monitoring offered by the organization that was hacked. Some of the reasons that people just didn't pay attention to them included they thought the organization involved would do whatever needed to be done, right? Uh, some people said they didn't know what to do, and others actually thought the notice itself was a scam. So they were listening to us, but, you know, they thought it was a scam. Uh, but a particular concern is that 85% of the people use similar or um, the same passwords on multiple accounts. Using automated systems, scammers use passwords stolen from one database to try to access the others. Yet only 22% of people uh, who were notified that a password had been stolen changed passwords on other accounts. And so that's what I really want to hone in on, that 85% of people out there use the same password for all their accounts. And, and I know 
it, it sounds safe, but but you've got to be proactive, right? You know, you've got to be proactive. It's not it's not a good idea to use the same password for your online banking as it is for your Home Depot account. Well, I've been convicted because when we were preparing for the program and we talked about it, you you mentioned that, and I thought, oh, I have strong passwords. It's right. got every <laughs> it passes all the tests. Right. That just use it for sixty five different things. Right. But you know what I, what you said, and I think it's important, especially if it's a financial need where it's a bank right. or something like that don't i mean just don't do that yeah medical financial you need a stronger password it doesn't need to be the same password as your you know kids uh, school account or something like that right you need a you need a system for all of your financial and your personal information accounts um it's just better to be proactive right you know are you're just at a higher risk if you use the same password for everything. So be proactive. Change your passwords. You should probably be changing them every three months. And I know that's inconvenient and something that people don't want to hear, but if you really want to be proactive, you need to be changing your passwords on a regular basis. And you know, you say that, and I'm sitting here going, okay, I think uh, I was reviewing passwords here recently, and uh, there's a couple there that go back about 20 years, you know, whatever. So, right. you know, they're, but you're right. They're, they're the kids, that, you know, whatever, right. those are the easy ones. But that password gets stolen in a data breach from three years ago and then they use automated system to just keep going and keep going and so once they've got that password they can just you know with technology they can go through all these other accounts and they they may they may hit the magic one so and that's always the problem the magic one and right that's, that's all it takes that's all it and takes and you've got all kind of problems well Coming up, we uh, you know we're going to talk about identity theft, and it's kind of what you know Daniel's been talking about. But we're going to dive a little bit deeper when it comes to bank fraud, and I can just tell you this is an issue that so many people have to deal with, and it becomes a nightmare. And so Scott's going to help us with that, and then later we're talking about elder financial abuse. And I think this is something we never think would happen, but it does. And sometimes it's happening with the people that you'd never think would do something like that. And that happens to be, of course, the family member. That's going to be Rob Clement, too. Daniel, again, I want to say how much I appreciate what you do. You know, one thing I've noticed that when you with us, the passion that you bring about this is so critical. I think I like the fact that we have you at the Better Business Bureau as our advocate. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. I, I deal with it every day, and you know, it's it's something that it, it sticks with you, right? You hear these stories all day long of people, you know, falling victim, and um, it, it's it's hard to forget those. So. You know, I think it's real, though, and that that's so critical, right. and I appreciate what you do. We have us. a whole team of people at the BBB that are just willing to help you. All you got to do is give us a call. 759-1300, and he's been talking about some very important subjects. Stay with us. We've got a lot going on, guys. This is the type of information that you need to know, whether it's for you, your next-door neighbor, your mom, your dad, or your kids at school. You need to know what's going on when it comes to identity theft, tax ID theft, and elder financial abuse. Stay with us. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money. I want to remind you that you can find our show, Talk Money, 
Wherever you listen to podcasts, search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker and subscribe to our podcast. Leave us a review. We'd appreciate it. My guest today, Daniel Irwin, has just finished talking about tax ID theft, something that's going on right now in our hometown. And you really want to pay attention. But when you think about it, that's just the beginning of the iceberg when it comes to identity theft and then elder financial mistreatment. And that's a real problem, elder financial abuse. Scott Jordan is here. He's a certified financial planner from Shoemaker Financial. Scott, welcome to the program again, sir. Great to be here, Jim. All right, John. Here, Scott, here's what I'm thinking about. Johnny. John. Did you just call me Johnny? <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> you know, Scott, this is live radio. Do you know that? I know. You know, I, know. I just let's carry on. You know, <laughs> what do you expect? You know, I mean, so what? I just woke up just a few minutes ago. Uh, all right, Scott, and also Rob, yep. and also Daniel. I'm going to go through speech class. How about that? You know, that will help me out a lot. All right. Okay, Ernie. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Scott's talking about it, you know, this idea behind it, identity theft. Scott, I know that's a real problem, and you know some people that's been through that. Okay. We saw the MLG and W scare. Daniel talked about that a couple of months ago or a month ago, and uh, I just think it's important. What are you looking for when you say, you know, warning signs about identity theft? Well, I think you're looking for a unusual activity on your accounts. Uh, you may potentially get calls from people verifying your credit or you see something, you know, if you're checking your credit report, you see something on there that you don't recognize or you don't remember doing. Um, any kind of unusual phone calls inquiring about, you know, your personal credit situation, all those can be red flags that something may be amiss and, and you may need to look a little further into that. You know, we talked to Daniel, mentioned the IRS, and, you, you know, this thing about IRS never, ever, never calls you by the phone. Right. And so right. people need to just understand that if somebody's on the phone and they're claiming to be the IRS quote-unquote agent, that's just not happening. They don't do that. And, and we also see this from the banking side of things, too. You know, um, if you're getting a call, it's not that your bank never reaches out to you, but if your bank, you're getting a call from somebody claiming to be your bank or any financial institution you do business with, and they need some personal information, well, A, if they're your bank, they probably already have most of that. So why would they be asking you that? Uh, but B, I always recommend that people not give, uh, you know, to an unsolicited phone call, don't give out personal information. Uh, make sure, you know, you, you take the time and call your bank back at a number you know is your bank number, not the number you've gotten from the person calling you, and, and follow up with it that way. Don't give the information out to an If it's possible, call. make a trip. Yeah, or make you know, a trip make a down trip there. to your Absolutely. bank. But that's Absolutely. not always, the, that's not always self-protecting. You no, and, and let's go back to what Daniel said. These people are crafty. They're professionals. They, they know how to get around the usual roadblocks of getting somebody to give you information. So we all sit here and we kind of joke and laugh and kind of like, well, who would fall for that? But let me tell you, uh, I've received calls that have come close, you know, because they're crafty. They can get in there, but, you know, just always remember and always be alert to not be giving that information out, that Social Security or other private information. I know, Rob, you're going to talk about in a few minutes some serious cases with elder financial abuse. And that we just that's a vulnerable side. Daniel talks about that, but that's really a vulnerable group of people. That's so true, because so often uh, these senior adults uh uh, they are out there by themselves, and they don't have anybody to help support them. Daniel gave a great example there, a sad example, but that's what we have to watch out for is just uh, 
sometimes it's the people we trust the most, too, that we have to watch out. Yeah. So don't be careful. Yeah, I, think you, I want you to talk more about that. Sometimes it's the people that we trust the most, and that's always the case. They build that trust identity with you, and all of a sudden you've got this problem. Scott, you mentioned the that you never give out information on an unsolicited call, but doesn't that also mean the same thing about possibly the don't give out unsolicited if it's an unsolicited email, giving out email, yeah, I would say any unsolicited anything contact. that you Be didn't careful, ask but for. The, the email is a is a particular place where they've gotten really crafty, you know, using maybe a financial institution's logo and everything, and reaching out to people. Um, I had a person in my family that fell victim to that. Uh, gave out all their bank information and. Next day, their balance was zero, um, oh you know, and it was an email just coming in, looked like it was from the bank. Hey, we've got some sort of problem, and we need you to verify some some information. And, you know, next thing you know, and, and you know, this person felt embarrassed by, by falling for the trap. Uh, but like I said, they're crafty. They're very clever at what they do. And this was a while back. People have gotten a little more educated about the the ways that scam artists do this. But it, it's a reality out there, and you have to be on guard about that. And we, we always say if you didn't initiate the contact, whether it's phone call, email, text message, don't engage. Right. right? And if you do want to engage and it's someone saying they're from your bank, check your bank statement. Call them. Right. right. But don't engage any unsolicited communication. You know, that that sounds so simple to say, don't do that. And Scott, you just mentioned that, you know, that was a long time ago when that happened, that people are wiser today. And I think this education, having a program with where right. we're talking about this helps, but obviously there's still a problem. Well, the scammers are wiser, too. Oh, that good. That's, that's exactly what I was <laughs> yeah. going to say. I said the, the wiser people get, the more clever and crafty that the uh, scam artists get. So you, you have to be on your guard. And, and be you on your have to be on your guard. Yeah. have to be mm-hmm. proactive proactive great word proactive so what happens then what do you do i mean scott i'm leading on you what do you do when you've had a your identity has been stolen whether it's stolen online whether you've lost your pocket you know your yeah. you know your purse or your your billfold and you had your credit card in it whatever what do you do I think I think it's critical to respond quickly because the quicker you can you can start taking action on this, the more you can shut down whatever fraudulent activity is gonna gonna be taking place. Um, if there has been some fraud, you want to contact your police department and file a report. That is critical. You will be advised to do that by any bank or financial institution that you've had fraud on. You have to get a police report in there and file that. Uh, but also, you want to contact the Credit agencies, you know, there's three major ones. You got Equifax, Experience, and Experian, and TransUnion. You want to contact them and let it know there there are programs they have in place that you can either put a fraud alert on your account or go for a total freeze of your credit to where nobody can run your credit unless you unlock it. And if you're the victim of identity theft, has as inconvenient as that may be. Sometimes that's a critical step to take to stop future fraud. That's Equifax, Experian. And TransUnion. All three of those. Yeah. You need to contact all three. Yeah. And there's there's other organizations out there that it's good to contact, you know, the, the check clearing agencies and stuff like that. But uh, if you reach out to one of those credit agencies, they have nice resources all on all their websites that give you kind of a step-by-step of what to do if you've been a victim of identity fraud. Identitytheft.gov is a great resource, by the way, too. Yeah, the other thing to watch out for, uh, maybe you're a recent widow or a widower. Uh, people still 
the deceased information too. So make sure that you're covering and do not let that information out. I don't know if people realize that uh, it's public knowledge when someone passes away. And that's just, all I have to do is scan and go through Mm -hmm. that. And so all of a sudden it doesn't take long to identify, okay, this is, and they really tell you that, you know, the family members. So you're exactly right, Rob, when you say that's just public knowledge and all of a sudden you're susceptible to that problem. All right, notifying the Equifax, Experian, TransUnion, as Scott has said. Anything else, Scott, that you need to notify? You said identitytheft.gov is a comprehensive website. Uh, It's it's from the government, and it gives you a step-by-step plan of everything you need to do. All right, that's a great point. What about a credit report, Scott? I think that's, you know, again, it's it's being being proactive. That was the word Daniel used, you know, going online and getting a credit report from time to time and seeing what is on your credit report. Uh, there are also credit monitoring services out there that can send you alerts and things like that. Because, again, responding quickly is key. So noticing the fraud as quickly as possible is key to stopping the damage. But it is it is a problem. It does not go away just because you've identified no. and not- notified people. Not at all. Not at all. And and you know, I'm going to I'm going to piggyback on what Daniel said. You can even do everything right and still be a victim of identity fraud. I had a case I was dealing with recently where they, you know, they weren't carrying around their social security card. They weren't doing all that, but they had a house break in where those documents were stolen out of a secure place and you know then they became a victim of some serious identity fraud so again it wasn't anything that they weren't looking out and trying to prevent so sometimes it's uh, monitoring and keeping up with everything just to make sure but um, it's a real thing you know i was told years ago that i keep my my credit cards in my billfold and then i have another little holding card for my driver's license so that if i happen to get one thing stolen I don't get the other. But, Jim, then I can't find where my license is or my credit card. So, I, I, <laughs> No, I, th- I think that's, that's a different problem. I think problem. that's good advice. But, you know, that's, that's, I bring that up to say, you know, this stuff, you know, trying to deal with this and prevent it or, or, or deal with it after it's happened, it is time-consuming. It's, yes. it's painful. And the steps that you have to take to try to prevent it are not easy. But, you know, taking some of these measures to try to prevent identity theft can save you a lot of heartache after it happens. Yeah, it's really important to be proactive, right? Mm-hmm. Because on the, on the back end, it's really, really hard. It can take years to clear up. Absolutely. You Absolutely. know, what I hear so often is that, uh, uh, would I even know if somebody stole my information? And, right. Uh, and, and if you suspect something, then you need to do something. I mean, yes. don't just wait. That's what I hear you guys talking about. Yeah. Right. Be proactive. You, you don't, there doesn't have to be anything wrong for you to decide to pull your credit report, right? Absolutely. I mean, you know, we recommend all the time that you should be pulling your credit report at least once a year just yeah. going through it. Because if yep. you see something inaccurate, you can just dispute it. Um, so, you know, you should always be checking your, your, your credit report. Uh, you know, that's, that's just the number one way you can be proactive. Looking at your credit report, watching your bank statements for transactions that you don't recognize, you know, just all those things that that can help you, again, be able to respond quickly to any fraud that is occurring. All right, Scott Jordan, that's uh, done a great job. Daniel Irwin's talked about it, and I've got a coughing problem all of a sudden going on here, and I'm going to stop at the break and get something to drink. Rob Clement's coming right back. He's going to talk about elder financial abuse. You don't want to miss that part. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money.
Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. I finally got a little bit of that coughing smell out of the way. And I hope at least I did. And so we've been talking with Daniel Irwin and Scott Jordan. This whole program is designed about what to be looking for when it comes to tax ID theft, when tax returns are going on now, identity theft, when somebody steals your credit cards, or maybe you've answered a call you shouldn't have, you gave some information you shouldn't have. But here's the issue we're going to talk about now with Rob. And this is about... It's a problem that we just hate to even think it happens. But elder financial mistreatment, and I guess that's a better word than abuse. Rob, what do you think? Well, either one are tough words. Tough so words. We'll go with uh, mistreatment, but uh, I tend to find that there's a lot of folks out there that are, uh, through this conversation we've been having earlier, that are just kind of mute. They don't say anything about what's going on, and that's our seniors out there. And so you, we really have to watch and be mindful of what's going on in their life. You said earlier th- that it happens to that trusted, by that trusted person, the friend, uh, uh, you know, maybe it's a son or daughter or whatever. And the problem is that is that vulnerable senior allowing somebody to step inside their inner circle financially. And it's not, maybe it starts slow, but what do you see when you're talking with some people? And you, you really do a lot of counseling with, with people in this situation and having to deal with that. What do you see? Yeah, so often is that uh, the uh, family member or the caregiver is the one who's taking care of our senior citizens. And what happens is, uh, and I like to give them some grace here on it, is that you can get very frustrated with people. We can remember perhaps having small children and, and the frustration we had from small children. We, at break, we were talking about some things our kids have done. Senior adults tend to be like those kids sometimes. They cause us frustration and that can lead to things that, uh, that wouldn't normally happen. And that can be abuse of them. And, and it starts out with a, a mild thing because our seniors many times are isolated. And when you're isolated, uh, it's just like that cowpoke out there that's trying to get to that one particular steer. They're getting them over and they're going to corral them. And so isolation can lead to a sense that you're being corralled. All right, so let's make sure that we are kind of lining this up because I want people to hear that you talk about isolation as being a real problem. But there are other what you would call warning signs. Absolutely. And isolation would be the number That'd one. That would be number one. And so then, then the mean? opposite of isolation is they are social and you get new people coming into their lives, and they seem to be riding into town with the idea that, hey, this is a new, my new friend, and he or she is going to help me out. And they start out maybe as a caregiver or someone that is a neighbor or a friend, and you start releasing some of the information that Daniel and Scott were talking about. Uh, that people lead to be able to steal your identity. And you may not release it. They just may take it out of your purse, mm-hmm. out of your bill, yeah. and not even realizing that that's happening. You actually had a case where you were telling me about that people moved in next door, begin to befriend this individual, uh, and all of a sudden, they, you know, the, the son or brother or sister of this person identified this was a problem. But when they confronted the person being abused or potentially abused, no, these are my friends. They defended the abusers, and that is so true. I, I kind of got a name for it. I call it a social parasite. That's an individual or individuals that try to take advantage of uh, those that are not getting that social time, and so they're just looking for some relationships. And those social parasites know exactly what they're doing, and so they come in, and it can be borrowing a, 
uh, to say, hey, you know what, I didn't get lunch today. Uh, can we use your credit card and uh, and go and order oh, yeah, us a pizza or something? And sure, that's you know, people your don't think right about over. that. They think, well, I still have my credit card in front of me. Mm-hmm. You know, I got it. Yeah. Nobody stolen my credit card. All it takes to order online is, is a phone? number yeah. and a PIN number or, you know, that little credit number, what they call it, whatever. But ID. 40, mm-hmm. yeah, the ID number. And you can order anything you want to online. And that happens. Yeah, all the time. I mean, that's that's the number one way their credit cards are stolen, right? They don't want the actual card. They just want that number so they can buy all sorts of stuff online. Yeah, yep. that's a great and, point. and they do funny things like, are those photos of your children over there on that desk? And, and they begin to pick... Little things that you think that are not important, but they're very important because then they'll start name dropping. And then you've got to watch out for wanting to make changes in your legal document. That's another warning sign that we watch out for is to, hey, I need to make a change. I don't want this person as a beneficiary. I'm changing my estate plan to make this individual uh, in there. And, And you have to be cognizant that that happens every day. So we watch out for that. So that's a critical point. So you've talked about isolation. You talked about new people in a person's life. And, you know, if you're a, if you're a widow or a widower, as you said, and you're lonely, you're, you know, you're going through this, maybe, it's, maybe you've already passed the mourning stage. You just, but you're, you're looking for friends, people that maybe, you know, you, when you're a couple, a lot of times it's couple friends. But when all of a sudden you've now been married 30, 40, 50, 60 years, you're looking for friends, well, Jim, that actually has a title today. There's four stages to retirement, and you're talking about that last stage. And that last stage of retirement is that usually only one of you, you're not both going to pass away at the same time. And so one person is left, and it's called the solo stage. And in that solo stage ends up being just the things we've talked about as far as warning signs. And things also that end up happening is uh, they feel as if, you as the advisor, and I'm sure Scott and you may have experienced the same thing, is that, well, you know what, I may just change advisors because you seem to be getting wanting too much personal information here from me. And so we're very watchful for yeah, just that simple point. thing. You know, Scott, we just had a case yesterday. We were talking to a couple, and, and the reality, I think it was appropriate, we asked them what happens if one of them were to pass away. And uh, we asked first, you know, what if if this, his wife passed away? Right. And she was the money manager. Tell mm-hmm. tell the listening audience what they, she well, said. Well, you, you you see the. <laughs> I won't. Don't tell them exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I won't go into that. Yeah. There's something about marrying a younger guy. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> anyway, what, yeah, but but the but, reality no, was usually he wasn't the financial guy. Right. Usually, there's one person in the relationship that does more of the money management, and if if that person is the one that passes away first. That can leave the other person left behind very vulnerable and very, um, you know, just confused about where to go, what to do, and where to start. So it's important that, you know, as the aging process goes on, that there's a lot of conversations about that so that both members of the couple know exactly where the money is and where to go and what to do. I think that is critical, and I think just by telling everybody that, pay attention, just being sensitive, you in this particular case where you've got the one spouse was the financial person and 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 she was going to and she passed away. We just was this is just a you know what if and uh, you know you could just tell he hadn't thought about it, but right. yet he was going to it was going to be a, and we're dealing with someone else where the husband was the financial person right. and the spouse is the well, the wife is not. That's a real problem. Absolutely. the uh, The important thing is there there are scammers out there, and there are going to be people that are going to try to scam you, whether they're 
family members or where they're caregivers. So be very watchful for that. What about when you see people that are depressed? And I think it was somebody, Daniel, do you mention the pastor that saw the lady that was depressed and high levels of anxiety? What's right. He picked up on that and he started to ask her questions and he's the one that figured out that she had been, you know, sending these recurring payments uh, to, to the scammer. So it's really important, you know, as a community that we, we look out for each other, especially our elderly. Right. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that happens when I when I talk to elderly victims is sometimes they they don't tell anybody that they've been a victim of a scam, especially their family, because, you know, as they get up in age, they're afraid of their independence being taken away. Right. So they're they're afraid that if they tell their kids and they tell their grandkids that, you know, that someone has stolen their money or they willingly got money out and transferred it over to a scammer that they're going to take away their keys. They're going to take away, you know, their, their financial independence. So, you know, a lot of people are scared to report what's happening and they live with it continuously because they don't want to say anything. It's a downward spiral. It's a downward spiral. That's a great point. Rob, I guess here's the question, the remaining few minutes we've got, what do you do if you suspect elder abuse? Now, I can see how if I've lost credit, maybe somebody's scamming me or something, I call the Better Business Bureau. But here I am suspecting maybe it's the caregiver, maybe it's the trusted son, maybe it's the next door, somebody who is all, what do you do? Right. Well, there's several numbers you can call. So there, that's important. If you're taking notes, you, there's a number of the Family Safety Center, and, uh, and there are the local Memphis and Shelby County. That's at 901-222-4400. And if you're on the web, you can actually go and look at FamilySafetyCenter.org to get details here locally. Family, that's FamilySafetyCenter.org. Family Safety Center. Oh, Safety Center. FamilySafetyCenter.org. Okay. And then that phone number again for local Memphis and Shelby counties, 901-222-4400. Okay, that's important for people to know. That's right here. In our hometown, if you felt, if you kind of think something like this is going on, you know, don't wait. Don't wait. And if it's national, you've got a national number, too. Absolutely, yeah. The national number is for non-life-threatening emergencies. There's an elder care locator hotline, and it's 800-677-1116. All right. We'll keep those numbers here at the station if you want to call later on to get that. But I want to thank these guys for being here. Daniel? Always great to have you from the Better Business Bureau. Thanks for having me. And Robin Clement and Scott Jordan from Shoemaker Financial. Guys, thank you so much. Great to be here, Jim. All right. If you have questions for either one of them, you can call them at 757-5757. Daniel's telephone number is 759-1300. You can find our show, Talk Money, wherever you listen to podcasts. Search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker and subscribe to the podcast. We would appreciate it. Next week, Kurt Zarnowski. Zarnowski Consulting, we're going to talk about Social Security in 2022. That's Wednesday and Saturday mornings right here on KWAM, the Mighty 990. It's, of course, at 9 a.m. It's always at 9 a.m., so be sure to you know stay with us and, and listen to the program. If you have questions, you can send them to Talk Money at ShoemakerFinancial.com. That's Talk Money, ShoemakerFinancial.com. We want to thank you so much for listening. We're here every week helping you. Make the most of your money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Rob Clement is a registered representative of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.